0: let's go ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the deep six today's guest uh we have none other than the big oose alan Carey, aka Extravision guy what's up bro how are you
1: hey man how are you, you troll back there with the introduction <laughs> uh, a lot of people will probably know me from my Extravision days yeah
0: yeah, definitely Good That's why I said I throw that in there I throw it in there How are you getting on with COVID in uh, 2020, 2021? What's
1: going on? Crazy, huh? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't been home since February 2019 now so it's like topping 15 months now I think uh, <laughs> since I've been home last uh, <clears throat> Not too bad I'm just back to work now the last three weeks after being out for 17 weeks Wow How's that been? bound for... Not bad. I mean, uh, I think uh, I, you know, I'm I, you know, I'm someone of a nerdy kind of culture, comic books and stuff. Uh, I was prepped for this. I had uh, plenty of entertainment: my consoles and my, my movie collection, uh, other kind of hobbies and stuff to distract me as well. So it was nice. It was nice. Uh, like, uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad at all. Like, but I'm glad to be back at work.
0: Awesome, awesome! So this is my first international guest now, as you can see on, on the podcast from abroad. Um, yes, and and that's a big part of who you are as well. You, you love to travel, you know. And yep. right now you've you've set up sticks in Holland. So is it is it for yep. good? You, are you happy?
1: Um, well, I've been. I will be living in the Netherlands. They like they prefer to. It's the Netherlands, not Holland. Um, here six years in August.
0: Wow, it's so just a fast six years.
1: Yeah, August first, twenty fifteen, uh, we had that uh, we had that sat on the table with the family and a couple of drinks and I had to get that late night bus to the airport.
0: Couple of drinks, put <laughs> in my modest It was
1: It was um was it one or two bottles of Jack Daniels at the table. Oh and then right. I remember to...
0: I was working in Topaz I got you the care package that day, yeah. That's right because I, um,
1: I had to get the I had to get the early bus from Bonarei at like 4 a.m. and that bus uh, got me into the airport for like 7 am and I was absolutely stocious arriving in Dublin. Uh, I think I, <laughs> I think I had to use the bathroom uh, before I board the plane because uh, I wasn't feeling so good. And I arrived and it was it was um, pride weekend in Amsterdam the day I landed. So it was scorching degrees. I was stinking drunk slash hungover from double travel. And the director of the Dutch operations for the company I work for um, met me. And then, uh, as you know, because you've been to the Netherlands, you visit me uh, once. Uh, those stairs are pretty fucking steep.
0: <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. So w- uh. when was your first kind of idea to travel because like obviously growing up in Shannon and like we we obviously went on holidays like in the family and that but when was the moment you kind of went alright I'm I'm out of here like
1: I'm ready to do this well do you remember mom used to go see psychics every so often yeah yeah but she came back one time and uh, she got a reading and the reading was uh, told her that uh, that her one of her kids would end up living abroad and uh, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I wasn't sure whether I believed in psychics at the time, but I was like, I'll make this come true. So uh, I, I think I was, I was in was University College at the time doing a, an art portfolio course. And there was this poster in the library uh, for summer abroad. And I just took the email, dot, email address down and I like, contacted them. And it was a, a summer visa at a campsite in New York. That's, the, that's where I kind of first started. And how was that experience? Uh, it was it was amazing, you know, living in a small little place like Ireland and uh, being, what, I don't know, 18, 19 years of age, can't remember what age was. Um, getting on a plane and going to a place you didn't know and meeting people and having to work and find a... Uh, even though there was parameters, like with the campsite and stuff, it was uh, it was amazing, All the people I, I met over there. So it was my first kind of real taste of... Uh, working and living abroad uh, even though it was only for three three and a half uh, four months but it was an amazing experience and
0: did you find there was a big culture shock coming from like Shannon Town slash Limerick to
1: New York yeah I mean the campsite the camp had people from all over the world there was Americans it was obviously uh, Americans but uh, there was Australians New Zealanders uh, people from the UK uh, Italy Poland it was all over the world so it was a really cool kind of mesh of, of people and then Looked after the kids. It was a real fun time, and I got to travel for a bit afterwards as well, which is very cool. It was actually uh, I got back uh, September tenth, two thousand and one, just before the World Trade Center bombing. That is
0: that is amazing. Um, like that's to hear that is just like wow. It really puts a lot into perspective. Like knowing that you were twenty four oh. hours away from that that incident. Well, like, do you know the the
1: reason? The reason why I I came home early was because I was working for exhibition at the time and I had asked for the leave uh, for the three 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 and a half months because I, I was starting college back up again and needed the job and stuff and um, they had to let me go while I was gone. Uh, so I actually had to change my flight details to go home uh, early because I had an interview with G Capital um, because I, ne- I needed to have a job uh, go to college. So I actually would have been in in New York uh, during that time frame, if I hadn't been let go from work, so I had to pay an extra fee, contact uh, whoever was uh, Ryanair or whatever it was, and um, come home early. So I remember I was uh, getting ready for my uh, get myself sorted when I saw the news about things. So I, lo- I had a lot of friends who were waiting on their flights back home who got caught up in that whole disaster.
0: That is that's crazy like to to see that and to see how close you were to that that big life altering event that happened like <laughs> <That's> so <right. laughs> so yeah so you come back and you know you settle in a bit more um did you get itchy feet when you came back like was that the trip that made you go oh, i want to see a bit more of the world or you know talk me through your process
1: um well that was kind of a tasting taster of it um I love the idea. You know, I love uh, movies and TV shows and American culture was always something I was very into. So um, I definitely really wanted more of it. But when I came back, I was getting into the college hard, so that was kind of distracting a little bit. And uh, it, I think I think whenever I came out of a long term relationship when I was in Cork, uh, a friend of mine uh, had lived and worked in an Irish bar in Rome. And I remember the phrase, like, if you were Irish, you can work anywhere in the world in an Irish bar. You can walk, you can walk into an Irish bar, no matter what part of the world it is, and you get a job immediately. And I, I tested it out. Um, uh, my buddy was working in, in, in Rome in a bar called uh, Scholar's Lounge, uh right in the heart, of the heart of the city. And he had been messaging me about the amazing experience it was. And he's like, you should try it. So I emailed the owner and uh, he said to give me a trial. So I was literally gone over for a trial period, uh, booked my flight. I booked a hostel for a couple of weeks, um, a couple of days ahead, so I can kind of get, get grips with the city a little bit. And uh, then I started working in, in, in the bar and thankfully I passed the, the probation and uh, I, did, I did well and stayed there for almost a year.
0: And what's Rome like for people listening? Like, you know, paint, paint us a bit of a picture. Like, what's is it warm? Is it cold? Is it, is it people
1: friendly or um, <clears throat> people? Um, my experience of, of Rome, uh, <laughs> I have no idea who's going to be listening to this now. So, <laughs> um, my experience to Rome was was really ultimately excellent. Uh, it's a beautiful city. It's an ancient city. Like, um, uh, it's a very fun. It was a very very fun place to be very warm the summers were extremely hot and for this for someone like me who hates the sun it was it was difficult I used to at the bar right because it was so warm and didn't have great air conditioning I used to have sweatbands on because it was scorching And people were like is that because you're cool I was like no it's not because I'm cool it's because I'm sweating so much I had to keep on uh wipe my brow like it was it was so hot uh but I made some great friends I still talk to today uh, from my experience in Rome we had a lot of American students that were doing uh, study abroad semesters and they would come to the bar and it was a wild time and it was also where I first really kind of uh, found American football and filled love with that as well
0: wow that's amazing so no matter kind of where you go the American culture kind of trails behind you almost
1: that's that's it, exactly. Like it's the same with the American football thing. Most people are like, oh, yeah, I watched it at home or I was in our Visit America and got into it that way. But it's actually um, Sunday nights in the bar because there were so many games going on, and we'd have floods of the students that would come in and they would go crazy. We fried be chicken, chicken nuggets, and drumsticks and nachos out the, out the wazoo, like um, after the, the Premier League games I've been on in the day. And, and I mean, Six, th- this this bar was just the hub one, one of the hubs of the city it was always busy the nights were were rocking like and if you loved sports any game that was on live was shown in there too
0: wow so as, like you said it's a hub for like that attraction to that demographic. like
1: yeah oh i i, I went back I, even after i left um i think i went back a couple of times just for the the nightlife experience it was it was such a fun, fun uh, city, but it was, it was <laughs> when you. I was when you're living the life of a bartender. It uh, definitely affects your um, your liver. Because when I wasn't working, I was in there drinking. So whatever money I was earning, it was going right back at the bar. It put some years on you for sure, or took some years off you mm-hmm. one or the other. <laughs> well, you, so, you remember the big drinking thing we had before I left?
0: Yeah, that was one of the most epic nights ever towards what a family just, gathering can, can hold to like that yeah. it was pretty spectacular like
1: it was I mean it was it was my first real like the, the summer camp thing was a temporary thing but this was my first real right I'm moving from Shannon to Rome and I'm going working in a bar and I have no idea when I'll be back
0: and what was your your uh, your thought process then? Like, you know, were you scared? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Like, you know, did you have that like buzz to go
1: over, or was it just kind of like, okay, let's see what happens? Um. Yeah, I think it was it was a bit a bit of that. I was definitely nervous, but excited at the same time. Uh, changing up the norm of what uh life was because I'd been working for Extravision um for a number of years, and I'd been I was a store manager. I had it was pretty, pretty safe, easygoing lifestyle, and this was a complete one hundred and eighty shift from from all that. Uh, to uh, never knowing who was going to come through the door, or what kind of night you're going to have, or stuff like that. I mean, I had a, I had a, one night. Uh, this guy comes to the bar, and he's this business owner in America, but his family is Italian, and he. He's bringing his mother over uh, to have her last visit to the home, homeland before she passes on. So he gets her he gets her back to the hotel and comes back and he pretty much gives me his, his bank card and says for the next two hours, uh, every drink in this bar goes on this card. Wow. And... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the stuff yeah. you see in movies. like <laughs> It was, because I was kind of like looking at the card and first uh, I was like, I wasn't sure I had to contact the manager, uh, the guy on yeah. the bar. At the start, and I was like, "Is you know, is this okay?" He said, "Yeah, go for it." So, um, I said, th- "I." He sat at the bar near me, and I kept them chatting to him. And I always remember he was like, "Where I'm from, I'm the king of my kingdom, but in here, right now, in this bar, you're the king of this castle." And I was like, "Okay." But it was I amazing. Mean, after two hours, then he, like every customer that came up, I was like, "Oh, no, little charges on the gentleman here." And uh, at, the, at the end of the two hours, then I cashed him up, and he gave me a big tip, and uh, off he went. Wow. Damn,
0: that's that's unheard of. Like that's crazy. <laughs> <That's laughs> I never, never had
1: I never had like before.
0: <laughs> so the Rome experience. Um, what came yeah. next after Rome? Did you touch base in Shannon for a while? Did you rebuild or did you move on from there?
1: Yeah, I came home. Uh, I came home because of. Uh, there was. Because uh, I've gone to America again. Okay. Uh, getting the visa sorted um, and I had to come home for a bit to get the money up for that I went back to I went oh yeah I, well I'd met a girl in, in Rome uh, who I uh, fell for that was actually the main reason why I left uh, she was from New Jersey and um, I had I was like well I could go back to that camp I'd been to in 2001 and then spend part of the summer with her uh, as things were kind of developing, with us. like she had she was she had stayed in Rome for weeks after I had left or after she was meant to leave uh, to stay with me, and you know things were kind of budding going along. So I went back to that same camp almost ten years later, and uh, met up with her for a bit afterwards. But that relationship fizzled out, and I came I came back to, to Shannon and got my old job uh, back at Exposition as well. So.
0: And what was that like rebuilding think, after being away? Did you did you kind of feel that effect? Like did it did it affect you kind of rebuilding your life again, or did you just breeze with it? Like
1: uh, looking back now. I think it was I think it was a breeze. I mean, uh, the, the the key thing was always trying to get to get the job, get, get the money going through. That was it to be able to uh, you know, process it or to live. So when I came back from America, it was easy to step back to an old job and go back to Cork, uh, work in extravision again, but I definitely had been bitten by the travel bug. The Rome experience was amazing, but I wanted to go to a country, I think, that had a bit more English-speaking than what Rome did because it was just uh, living in a bubble in the bar with the American students, the, the Italian people themselves. It, was, it wasn't the easiest to communicate.
0: There must have been some roadblocks there, so...
1: Definitely, definitely. So i I remember um, I've been home for a while after after the the Rome America thing, and I was kind of a you know, rebuilding process, and I was working down in Kilty. and I was like, where can I where can I go? Like, what's a better place? And I sent some CVs out. I had a friend in Denmark. She had I'd met her in Shannon, and. She knew an Irish bar in Copenhagen, and uh, she, I, she put me in touch with them, and I sent an email, told my history working in the Irish bar in Rome, and like the sounds of it. it. Was it was coming up to the World Cup, to the South African World Cup, so they were looking for extra staff, and I, in the meantime, though, I had also applied for a visa to Canada, and I, the, the visa, the Canada visa situation was bonkers. I didn't think. I had a chance with that and I actually got that at the same time I was gonna to go to Copenhagen so I actually deferred my visa for about a year um, and I went over to Copenhagen then uh, for that uh, around that World Cup time.
0: That's awesome so what was your your thought process of weighing them up like did you do a pros and cons of Denmark to Canada or did you just kind of go okay I have this option to Denmark I'll take that first because I what to work in.
1: But that- I'd i had a chat when I, when the the bar owners of, of uh, the Dubliner in uh, Copenhagen had contacted me. I chatted with him and I told him I promised to come over. So then I got a call like literally either the same day or the day after with the visa situation saying translation. So I uh, you got the your visa for Canada. So I was like looking about a situation where I'm I've, I've, I've promised to go to Denmark, and he was like, well, you can pay a deposit now. We'll hold your spot for a year. That's what I did. Um, the problem was, was that Canada, once I got that visa, it was in the back of my mind, it was, it, I, I did want that more, but I promised uh, the, the Irish bar that I'd go there. So I did go there, but I, I always had that escape card of, of the Canadian visa behind me. So, and then uh, Granddad got sick while I was in Denmark and it was an excuse to come home. So, well, not an excuse, but it was, I, I had to come home to uh, in case he was, wasn't gonna make it, but he did. And, um, uh, I got a job in, um, V in Limerick then. So what was that like, you know,
0: cause again, you're, you're kind of <laughs> jumping, like you're kind of frog, frogging around the place of it. Like <laughs> yeah, you know, no, you're, just... you're over, you're settling, you're back, you're forward. Like, uh, did you feel any of that? Like, or was it just normality to you? Well,
1: I, I, I didn't have a lot of, a lot of things, uh, I didn't have. I didn't have a lot of things at all. I was young and I was looking for like adventure, I suppose. Um, and uh, I loved Denmark. I, I did leave there too early. I, I definitely did, but I thought that I had something better ahead in in the Canadian trip. But when I came back home, I had to I had to get money together for the Canada trip because I wasn't saving anything in Denmark. I had banking issues and I'm spending on booze and. Uh, it was a lot of fun times had, but no savings. So when I came back home, I didn't have much. So I I needed to work, and I had applied to uh, I had applied to uh, to HMV and a few other places. I can't remember I can't remember why I didn't go back to X-Vision, Uh but I got accepted in HMV and I worked there uh, for a good few months until after the Christmas period. But they couldn't keep me on because. Uh, they were going to be closing uh, the store at some point, so that was I, um, such an
0: iconic spot in Limerick as well. That, that two-story oh, HMV which is now a coffee.
1: I, but I remember, uh, the, I was there at the time that there were bandits brought out their single horse uh, outside. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was a crazy Christmas, man. It was. The place was absolutely like jammers the whole time. People buying the album, uh, the the sing, the single. Uh, I was upstairs in the in the movie section. That was that was my thing. Like I love movies. Uh, uh, Exhibition. I was there for a ten year period, but H and V. I was definitely about the movies and games.
0: Awesome. Um, so like you got that set up, and you're now looking at your your sites around Toronto. What what pulled yeah. you to or Canada? What pulled you there? Um, like,
1: what was the, the drive? It theater? was. It, it's going. It's going back to that American cult, love of American culture, even though it's Canada. It's, I think at one point I said it was the Diet Coke to America's Coca Cola. So I was like, this is the next best thing, isn't it? Um, uh, it was just the excitement of of getting to a big city like like Toronto and and starting from scratch again. Now I did have I did have friends over there at the time who. Um, I had been there for a little bit before me. So I was very lucky that when I landed, uh, I had people that I could hook up with straight away. Um, I I did do the same thing again, where I I block booked uh, a hostel for like two week period. But the one thing I had, the one thing about Canada that didn't exist in Denmark or Rome, or even my summer trips to America, was I had no job at this point. It was the first country I was coming over to where I had no work or no interviews already planned.
0: What was that like? Because you you always had that kind of safety net of either starting or you know having an offer. What was it like going over somewhere where you had no offer or start? Do you feel like a lot of pressure on you
1: to get something? It was. I, I mean, I didn't have I, I didn't have as much money as I wanted going over in the first place, which put me in the back foot. But the way I looked at it was, at the worst, it would be a two week holiday because I had paid for my uh, paid for my accommodation up front for the two weeks. So, if all else fails, I just go home after two weeks. Uh, I had uh, like a, I had a free change a free change of mind, or like a fifty euro fee to change my dates back back to Ireland. So I had that out to get me. So I kind of uh, hit the, hit the city and hit and with my CVs. I had loads of CVs printed out, and I went to GameStop and. Uh, Foot Locker uh, a few other places uh, Winners aka um, TK Maxx which is over here and I got a job in Foot Locker after a couple of days of being there
0: and what did you feel about that, that that city like did you find it was very similar to New York when you were there
1: um a little yeah yeah it had New York vibes about it um but it's its own it's its own city um the it uh, the, the patios the outside areas the drinking areas uh just a lot more a lot more fun uh and open uh than than the New York experience uh they they're two different things they're two absolutely different things
0: friendly people but, too by the way canadians yeah super friendly friendly, friendly people yeah
1: amazing friendly. i made friends I made, I made friends pretty quickly there as well but, i mean it was a group of irish lads it was a group of us uh uh, we'd always get together at the weekends and stuff uh, the, Toronto was a very expensive city uh, and, and and I wasn't financially prepared going over there so it was tricky uh, but it wasn't what I expected it to be overall and uh, I came back and it didn't work out for me for, for reasons um, and I thought that that was it I thought that I had done enough bouncing around I'd been canada I've been to denmark i've been to uh rome and america and i was like okay that's it just focus on being at home and uh i got a job in deals in China.
0: and how did you feel then whenever you, like i think we're at one two three four five i think it's like your sixth place and coming back like did you go okay my feet are planted on the ground now i got my job in deals i'm gonna kick on here in and, and- and drive on, like, or did you still have that what if? What if?
1: Coming? Um, I think at, the, at that point, I kind of regretted my decision to leave Copenhagen um, to, to, to gamble on Toronto. And yeah, I think it was a case of just, I'm at home, family was at home. Uh, I got lucky enough because Deals was just opening in Shannon at the time, and it had been in Limerick for a while and was very successful there. So I was happy to be part of something new. I mean, literally, I would I was in bed one day, got the call from someone that there was open interviews down in the Oakwood. And I went down, I interviewed twice. I got called back and the next day I was sent to, uh, where was this? I was sent up to country anyway for training. Literally, like the next day, it all was just, it was just bish, bash, bosh. <clears throat> to get everyone in, trained, and then the store opened. It was just a blur after coming back from Canada. It was an absolute blur.
0: You've kind of had a very fast paced experience in that <laughs> way. Like, did you ever have a moment where you just sat down and went, Okay, I'm going to take a breath? Oh, like, this is what I'm going to do, or is it just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is the next route? Like, turn left here, turn right there. Like, or did, did you ever confide in anyone or look for advice off anyone, or did you gonna go on in on your own? Like,
1: um, I, I don't think I ever, I don't think I did. I don't think I, I really took too long to think about it. Uh, everything just seemed to kind of go one to another to another uh, with, with, with the deals thing. Like as soon as i left the, the, actually the, the, the longest i had was when i left deals it was the longest period i was unemployed for years absolutely years it was around the time the recession had kicked in hard in ireland so there wasn't many jobs for uh retail or our uh, bar work and stuff yeah i, I remember so, that time actually it was, it was crazy I did have a lot of I did, I did have a lot of time for reflection during that period. All right, but, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was I was desperate for work, and I looked back at all the the places I've been and what I'd done, and I was like, "Oh, that that's it. That was that's all the past now. Oh, I just focusing on getting a new job." And then I got lucky to get a job in, in CEX.
0: CEX, that's awesome, man. Um, just going back to like the travel thing for a minute before we segue. Do you think mm. that? because you didn't overanalyze your travel experience, that it suited you better? Because sometimes you hear people, they kind of overanalyze it and they almost talk themselves out of it. Do you think the fact that you didn't do that really helped you?
1: Um, I think so. I, yeah, I definitely think I blocked out the um, the negative stuff that was involved in, in those things. You know, the reasons why I couldn't stay there long enough are the, the fast, Hopping and skipping Jumping from one country To another Like talk about it now It's all zip 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 It wasn't like that There was time periods Between each of these trips And I mean I was alone For long periods On these I I definitely think that Those experiences Taught me to be able To survive by myself As well
0: Yeah definitely Because we come from A big close knit family Where it's like You know You always have someone Around you Like So to have that ability To be on your own Is such a key And important life skill To have like
1: Especially during quarantine, man, uh, during uh, COVID lockdown as well, it was it's something that I felt. I, I jokingly said I prepared for this before because I've been able I've been in countries before where uh, I mean when I was in Canada, it was there was points where I had no money at all. I couldn't go out, couldn't see anyone, couldn't, and I was in a room for for a period of time, and uh, all this stuff was all prep for what this time frame has been just. But the one thing about I've always done in life is I've always taken um, big problems and just bit off a, a bit off a part of the problem one a bit you know a small bit at a time and you break it down and you just take care of one part and then you take care of the next part and take care of the next part. And you't you don't look at the whole problem as, a, as one big thing. you just break it down into little pieces that are easily manageable. Then eventually with, with time then you do overcome the obstacle
0: that's a really good way of putting it definitely because a lot of people go from a to z and forget to fill in the middle
1: yeah but that's it like even with this with the current quarantine for example if i said to if i said to myself back in 2019 after i flew back uh, in february 2019 if i said to myself oh you're not going to be able to do this this and this for a year and a half or or longer uh and you look at that whole expanse of it then that could that could, you know, affect your my mental health, but it's like, okay, let's get through this week at a time. Let's get through this month at a time. Let's get through this three months at a time, and you know, things are getting better. It's on, it's on the up and up now, and I definitely think that I should, I'll definitely be home before Christmas this year. So you know,
0: the That's patience great. and
1: yeah,
0: it'll be totally worth it as well because everyone's going to be excited to get back together again. As it way. I
1: I, I I I honestly can't wait for the first night out like our get together. uh, Want to get home again because it's been it's been far too long.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a big one coming. This is this live one. know there's a big one coming. Well, I mean, uh, I, I,
1: I I turned 40 in February, so
0: <laughs> yeah, man, and I turned 30, so you know, we've got two big birthdays to celebrate. There, like
1: we do indeed, absolutely, you know. <laughs> so
0: you're a comic book guy. Yes, you display Love that it. a lot in T-shirts and and <clears> posting and stuff like that. When was your first? experience with the uh, comic book universe like what drawed you into it
1: it was our uncle liam uh, in six mile bridge uh, He had this collection amazing collection of comic books um in in my then young mind um and i used to walk over and he would actually uh, he would ask me um what was i into and i, I, I at the time it was, it was like spider-man or the hulk or um, the x-men and stuff and I, he would lend me his comic books, I'd walk from his house then to our house and I would read and read and then I'd draw and stuff. And uh, I had a good relationship uh, with, with Liam and um, we he moved to Dublin and I I had in a comic book shop up there, I had a file kept with my name in it and I would select a number of titles. And I was working in the O'Connell Arms Hotel at the time, you know, super young, lots of money. Um, it was all disposable income for this stuff and I'd get the bus <clears> off <throat> to Dublin to him and I'd stay with him uh, for the weekend and go to the comic book shop and I'd, I'd buy it and i come home with a box a like, giant box of comic books you, you've seen the collection uh, at the parents' house
0: for anyone that doesn't know this collection is a full walk-in wardrobe it's there's there's a there's an impressive catalog of comics
1: and it it covers
0: everything doesn't it it's not just marvel there's dc in there as well there's yeah uh, yeah
1: there's this other there's some image yeah there's image there's image comics stuff there there's dc there's uh the wizard stuff as well uh yeah it i i am at its heart um a marvel fan but i love all comic books and uh uh, I've recently watched Invincible on Amazon and I've been very close to try back catalog and that, maybe get the graphic novels of that. Do
0: you remember the first issue you ever read or collected?
1: Um, I remember the first in my hand. It was Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends Annual from 1988, I believe. And on the cover had Spider-Man, Iceman and Firestar. And in the, there was a couple other issues in that annual I think, was this big hardback thing that they'd done in the 80s uh that was the very first one I remember reading because it was the only one we had until uh our uncle uh left the stuff and I remember I was reading Superman versus Aliens and it was kind of this crazy crossover stuff that I'd never seen before it was just kind of stuck with me um and even now, um, I subscribe to the Marvel Unlimited uh, app on my iPad, and I read. I can go back to all those comic books and find them, and it's an amazing service to be able to reread this stuff. It's
0: crazy to think that we have that now in the big catalog of physical comic books that you have in our home house in Shannon, like that you can flick my iPad towards going into this
1: collection. <laughs> It's the equivalent of Spotify, man. I mean, yeah. Back then, you had to have all these discs, all these CDs. Um, like, you remember Dad's collection on the kitchen? Like, there was so many CDs there, probably still is. Uh, but now you can just go to Spotify and you can select all those albums. You know, like I still remember taking my my discman to, uh, into college in Emerson College. Like, the That's bus would be bouncing. You know, the batteries would be dying
0: in the middle of a song. Yeah.
1: yeah, or if it was too sensitive, when the bus would bounce, it would cause the disc to skip.
0: oh man that is crazy what what is it about (laughs) comics that keeps pulling you in year and year and year after you know that you didn't kind of get fed up and move on from what what kind of kept your curiosity to is it started writing started drawing
1: uh a bit of both um there's situations where i would say i'm first of all artist first Uh, where depending on the artist, I'll I'll jump around. If the artist leaves the title and joins another title, then I'll probably do the same as well. But certain characters like the X-Men, I'll I'll always follow because I just love the storytelling of what they went through. Um, So yeah, it's it's a bit of both. I think the more I get older, uh, the the more the storytelling is important than the art. Uh, But definitely when I was younger, the art style definitely influenced on... on, uh, what I read. And it was Joe Madiura uh, who, was, uh, who is an American artist, but he brought this American manga experience to the X-Men. Um, uh, he eventually would do his own comic book called Battle Chasers and he's done, he created Darksiders, the game as well and designed all the character stuff too.
0: That's awesome. That is really cool. Mm. So see I, I, I,
1: but it's what's, what's amazing is that back then, uh, you know, a comic fan and interest in that kind of stuff was not super popular, but now in 2021, I mean, you see how big the MCU movies and series are. It's everywhere. You can't you can't go anywhere without um, seeing some sort of merchandise uh, on people or in shops or in the windows or whatever.
0: Because I think growing up, like uh, being a kid, going to like uh, Forbidden Planet, all those kind of places were kind of hidden underground, like the one in Galway shopping yeah. centre, it's like hidden underground. They were never really yeah. front and centre, whereas now you go in and you've got like comic book stuff in GameStop and, you know, uh, music stores, it's everywhere now, like it's front and centre.
1: Yeah, Limerick, Limerick had their own, Head of a, a Ribbon Planet at one point. Um, yeah. I remember, yeah, and Sub-City was yeah. in Galway, um, which is another good one too. Uh, these yeah, were... that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, they were, they were great finds Like, and it was like uh, Galway is a lot more accessible than Dublin was. So if you get a chance to go to, to Galway and, and grab a few issues, then she, that's a good day out for, for, uh, for, for what I was looking at back then.
0: And was there a community back then towards what there is now? Because obviously everything we get into now could be anything. There's a community for it, and an accessible community. Was there accessible communities for that back then?
1: I don't, if there was, I wasn't aware of it. I think it was more when you walked in the store and you were flicking through the comic or at the racks and you'd see someone else flicking and kind of your eyes would meet and you kind of give a no one kind of nod to each other. It's like, I know that, you know, you're looking, we're, we're of the same uh, kind of thing. And if you found, if you met someone who was into comic as much as you were, then God, you could, you could chat for hours because I don't, I don't know. Social media wasn't a big thing back then. Um Not like now Now you can just dive in And you can get lost in, On Reddit Or wherever And talk comic book stuff For, for years and days And whatever But back then I, I, It would be I would talk to the people Working in the comic book shop they were, they were the community
0: Yeah Back then People don't know We'd, we'd dial up internet And it was tough To navigate <laughs> the, If a phone call came in Your internet got disconnected And it was just mm-hmm. a pain Really
1: absolutely it wasn't it wasn't easy
0: <laughs> no it definitely was not easy definitely was not easy uh um, no, we have
1: yeah you go on no you will finish off no i'm saying we have it so much easier now than how it was back then i don't want to be the old fella um saying that but like it's so easy to get access to stuff on our phones like
0: no. even me saying that man like i i grew up in that that dial-up age you know what i mean i was coming to the age of understanding technology through that so you know, I feel that too. Like a couple of people listen to this going, What the hell is Zyloff like? You know?
1: But yeah, that's was... right. Where you acted act physically, right? You had to physically un, uh, unhook the phone line. When we first got it, uh, you had to pull out the phone connection and put in the internet connection. So when you were online at the, at the very start, you weren't actually able to receive phone calls. If there was an emergency happening, no one was getting through because I was browsing the web. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was your 30 minutes on the web, making it into the book, and then it was on to the th- next
1: person. Yeah, I think it was um, the dad had, had got a, uh, an adapter that could take both the internet connection and the phone line. But as you said, if a, if a call would come in, then it would knock uh, the internet.
0: <laughs> and that was in the, in the era when phone calls were massive. People always called, always, always called.
1: That's, that's it, because he didn't. I mean, <laughs> I still remember. Uh, I still remember uh, our brother's uh, phone, his first mobile phone. That when someone rang him, uh, their name, a name would not pop up. The number would, would would scroll across the screen. So you'd have to look at the number. Dot 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 dot. Oh, it's dead. Calling me, it's dad's calling. But We have to wait until the whole number across the screen before you realize who was calling me.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's crazy.
1: Like that is crazy. Um, and now, now, now! I can order pizza with my face. You know, I go onto the app on my phone, and it scan ID's my face, and then the pizza's here within twenty minutes. So, like, <laughs> technology is advanced so so much.
0: Yeah, it's just that window there from dial-up internet to paying for pizza with your face is is uh, yep. just shows how far we've come. <laughs> it is mind-boggling. <laughs> uh, what are you reading at watched... the moment? Sorry,
1: um, I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading House of X. So it's kind of uh, the X Men's reinvention uh, that happened uh, last year, I think. But I've kind of finally got around to reading that series. I was reading Daredevil a lot of old Daredevil issues because I got really got into the character. But the House, of X, the House of X stuff now and all the associated titles basically it's a massive reboot for the for the mutant characters because at one point in the MCU they were out. Marvel didn't want to do anything to do with them. They had cut down the amount the, of the, the titles, but they've recently pulled the trigger on rebooting them because it was to do with the Fox thing. Uh, Fox kind of owned the X-Men, so because Fox had rights for the movies, comic just said, look, we're not going to give them any focus, so people won't see the movies. And once Marvel bought back their rights, got their rights back for everything, now they've decided to uh, kind of not reboot them, but reignite them again. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff in there.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome, and that's that's really cool that they you still know, kind of spinning in circles, uh, uh, tying with movies as well, like that kind of politics, like is, is mind blowing. Like
1: Oh, it's it's, it's crazy. There's, there's there's so much in there, and stuff that we're not even we don't even realize it's there. But it's all at the end of the day, it's all storytelling, entertainment, and entertainment. That's what a lot of us are, are into.
0: That's it. Yeah, and going segueing into that is something that you're big into is horror movies. Like oh yeah, you've been very mm-hmm. passionate from. As long as I can remember about horror movies, what was it about that? That again, was it the the art, or was it the storytelling that drew you in, or the suspense?
1: I think it was. Um. Uh. We were when we were in Six Bridge and about to move to Shannon. We were living with our grandparents for a while and our uncles, and there was <laughs> such an old man saying this. There was um a video van that would come around to the to the estate this this van that you could rent videos from and uh tommy and liam loved their horror movies too and i remember watching the thing my, my favorite movie ever by the way uh kurt russell and the and john carpenter movie i watched it with them and my little mind was blown by what that movie had back then even today in today's standards that movie still is phenomenal the, the, the special effects in that uh But again, I think think it was the thrill I got um, as a kid watching that, the the scares and and the horror. It just kind of uh, stuck with me. And I find myself now uh, wanting to find more movies from that era, from the 80s and 70s. So I crowdfunded um, this documentary series called In Search of Darkness. They've got two parts out. And basically they do a deep dive into all the great and maybe lesser known horror movies from the eighties. And it's great because, uh, now I've got lists of stuff that I haven't checked out that now I'm looking for. And I, I now that, uh, the world is opened up again, um, it means I can go back to, uh, hunting thrift stores for old DVDs for these movies.
0: That's awesome. And like you said, you've got your list now. And what would be like two or three, something other movies that you'd be looking at?
1: Uh, it, it's always easy to go with the top ones like The Fly uh, The Thing The Blob but um, you know the, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies but there's other ones out there like The Stuff um, uh, what else is there? Critters Demon D- Demon Knight uh, well Demon, Demons Demons 2 uh, some of the Italian stuff uh, and even recently we've, we've been looking at terrible older horror movies for a laugh as well um, because there was those movies made money they were cheaply made so uh, if I could find them and, and YouTube has so many of them that you can watch for free as well
0: that's like, like that the street, that kind of streaming service is amazing to have as well like you know but you,
1: you probably saw you probably saw that um, uh, I've done it twice now I've done the 31 Days of Horror Challenge yeah yeah that's, that's really cool actually to see that for 31 days for uh, for Halloween, I I watch a horror movie or maybe two, dependent every single day for 31 days. So <laughs> it was pretty easy to do last year during the lockdown. <laughs> After that, would you
0: not feel a bit like you know you've seen the same genre over and over, or can you just keep watching it? Like, do you still
1: have that? Uh, no. The great thing about the horror is that there's multiple subgenres in horror. So there's psychological horror, there's the gore stuff, there's the ghost supernatural stuff, there's the uh, there's the revenge genre. There's there's so many levels and layers to to horror that it's not when you're watching something. It's almost it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Um, it, you take something. I, I always say to people. <clears throat> to watch a movie and it evokes one strong reaction in you then it was worth the price of admission whether that's uh scare uh, laughing or make you cry or any of that at all and for for the most part if chosen rightly the movies I choose do that
0: yeah and I think I think you've got a lot of respect for that as well because with Exhibition you know, you were always uh, kind of putting people onto movies something that I remember a lot of people would always ask you for advice on what to watch and you know i think that kind of helped you with your own kind of 31 days of horror being able to
1: put that out there like absolutely uh it was a regular thing it was like hey horror's coming up and you recommend me make a good movie and i know my customers or i'd ask them what kind of movies it seen, like and try to match it with something kind of similar you know uh halloween was fun it was an absolute great time or if people just genuinely were looking for horror movies um to recommend. And back then Extrovision had on VHS, VHS wise, they had some I kind of I think kinda of regret now at this point not taking more advantage of uh of checking those out because as I joined Extrovision, they were just phasing out the VHS and moving to DVD. So a lot of a lot of great titles disappeared with that. There were a lot of the vintage copies there, like with that library. Yeah, but like some of some of these titles have never been picked up for blu-ray or sorry for dvd release uh and if they have they don't print them so there's a lot of movies out there that are lost to time
0: that's crazy a lot of good movies uh, that's lost the time like it's mental
1: that that's it and like the, the 70s and 80s were an absolute thriving time for those movies and so many of them just uh disappear and i watch i watch some great youtube channels uh that delve into. A lot of this stuff too. So um, when I get a good find, then I, I try hunt it out and, and watch
0: it. That's awesome, man! And you share, you post a lot as well of that. So it's great that you're promoting those people as well, like which is the name of the game. Like,
1: yep, yeah, I, I, I try. I mean, uh, as you know, like I'm off Facebook now, um and I don't really post. I don't really make too many posts apart from my cats on my own Instagram, but i uh, occasionally I'll put a story up there but when it comes to the 31 Days of Horror I do post every single movie on Twitter and I do post them in my story just in case anyone if anyone else is looking for an idea for a horror movie to watch then they can just check out my stories
0: yeah and like that your CV stacked Like so you know you have the the respect to put someone into a decent movie like
1: <laughs> well yeah I mean I love movies in total it's probably been the biggest thing of the pandemic that I've missed is being able to go to the cinema that's the yeah. biggest one
0: yeah I, th- I think a lot of people are in that boat but you you're a movie guy like so you're definitely feeling <laughs> the, the into that like well
1: i i had two movie memberships at one time because where i work where i live are two different places and the same cinema place doesn't exist in both so uh depending on what was showing i'd use one. i was i was paying for two separate memberships <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you ever think of going into you know like giving your like a critique for movies this is a hobby um i
1: or is there a lot of a lot of work there's a lot of people out there i i i well you've got into podcasting so you're dipping your toes into this kind of this kind of thing and how difficult is is it for you i mean how difficult is it for you to edit these shows
0: yeah it's it's tricky man because not every episode you get done in one go you know the phone might go off a dog, Burke, a cat, you might bear, a cat—you might answer the door. Well, you know, things happen like so. You just gotta adapt to it, I suppose. But I, I got asked that question when the lads that I had on the show said, "If it wasn't for the pandemic, would I have done this?" And I said, "No," because I—I didn't have the time. I didn't have the the time to be creative, like, and it was kind of a blessing in essence. That
1: That—that's—that's it exactly. It's you—you you get the time, and in the time, then it's you can you can you can delve down to something maybe you want to try out or, or want to try or want to do and then you discover if you really have a passion for it or not. So, um, that's that, that's one of the benefits of, of having all this time uh, I have.
0: I just wanted to come out of this with something, do you know what I mean? Something productive.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have I, I the same. Uh, now now that I'm back to work again, I'm back like five weeks uh those 17 weeks off i had from mid-december until uh uh, april uh absolutely flew by i don't i I don't think i even turned i don't think i played a playstation 4 game at all in that time frame either i was so busy doing other things
0: that's amazing though that you had something something to keep you occupied though because a lot of people didn't or don't because obviously we're Mm. still in we're, we're coming out of the restrictions slowly, but Ireland has got pretty hammered with restrictions and being boxed in, so, you know, it's great to see people taking on other uh, projects and outlets, like, so with the murder side of stuff, you're a murder podcast guy, something that you were talking to me about years ago, years and years ago, and I didn't have a clue what you were talking about, to be honest, uh, until I delved my own feet into it, and it is a really eye-opening world
1: when you start listening to these podcasts oh my god is it what i mean you see the explosion on i don't know if you noticed but netflix has uh started doing these high-end uh series based on uh on different uh serial killers and stuff because of the explosion of podcasts i remember i remember the one that really kicked it off which was serial uh i listened to the first uh season of that and i was I was working for CEX and Ennis back then, and it was on the on the bus into Ennis um, where I was listening to it, and I was blown away. I, I, it would make the, the trip into into Ennis like go by so quickly. I got so caught up in it, um, uh, and it's just kind of grown uh, from there. It's just looking for, I think, I think why I'm into it is the psychology of why these people do that, you know. Why why is it that you listen
0: to them? Um yeah, like like you, I I work at a station for eight hours, so I have the ability mm. to wear allowed to use headphones and that and there's only so much music you can listen to. Um so I said, you know what, I I broaden my horizons and see what all the all the smoke was about, basically. I, like that I seen all the Netflix stuff and the podcast is just a lot more raw. There's a lot more told there's a lot more spoken in it than i found that was shown on netflix Uh, for example the son of sam uh one that's on netflix i kind of found the podcast was more detailed and they went into more of his psyche than they did on the netflix one um yeah so seeing that was you know first of all you're sitting there and you're going whoa this person did this he did that and then you've got the people speaking of the psychological side of it and it just hooks you in. You're you're completely. You want to know what happens next. Yeah.
1: Um. The uh, with these serial killer podcasts, our true crime. That's probably the best I call yeah, it. Yeah, true crime. Yeah. Um. It's uh. It's two things. It, it, the question is always nature or nurture. Uh, were people born that way or were they molded into that way? And that's that's the psychological hook for me I mean I would I would say it probably connects a little bit to the horror the love of horror I have even though horror is fiction and true crime is not but that I mean The Walking Dead always advertised the fact that the true horror is mankind themselves and and this stuff shows it uh I have been out and about um traveling to work or out for walks and stuff and I would listen to a podcast that would literally make my jaw drop going because someone would do that that thing and it just stuns me that humanity can do some of those things. But what yeah. was
0: what was the podcast for you that made
1: you jaw drop, or what was the the episode? The podcast uh, would be called. The podcast is called Cold, and basically, it's the uh, investigation of a guy who made his well, supposedly made his wife disappear. Her body is never been found, and the intense. Uh, media speculation on the case and what happened at the end I'm not going to say anything about it You have to look into it uh, but that podcast the ending of it I was my jaw dropped and it it hit me emotionally as well because of what happened uh, it's a big series there's a lot of information in it uh, but the, the, by the end of it like you're, you're you're fully you're fully in on it and it's just how it ended was disgraceful and uh it's, it's a must for true crime fans but again there's there's, God, there's supposed to be hundreds and hundreds of, of true crime podcasts out there right now So, but that's the one for me that really kind of uh, hit hard
0: yeah it, it, and that's what they do though you know that's, that's the I guess the whole point of them is they do kind of hit you for six whenever you're, they're digging it up like you know for me it was the John Wayne Gacy uh, story um, when you yeah. kill those 33 young fellas that story for me I was like wow someone can do that is frightening and I listen to podcast, and they've got yeah. so yeah. many I subsections to- yeah yeah I listen them as well yeah. and, and I just like how it's narrated and how well spoken there and you just get hooked into it like you know
1: yeah yeah that's yeah they're they're really good they, it's a good song quality they, they break the information down actually um, one of the ones I got into well got into, but, uh, was turned into a series as well last year was the oh the one that David Tennant played the Scottish guy who uh, flushed his victims down the toilet oh whoa uh, ITV had a three part series uh, last year about it uh, let me see uh, David Tennant serial killer uh uh, what's it called david tennant series (laughs) siri with Uh, this i know yeah uh but uh what's his name again uh david tennant Uh, Dennis Nielsen Okay So Nielsen was uh, He was a Scottish guy Scottish guy Who um, Would bring Guys back to his place And then he'd uh, He'd kill them And then He would uh, Dispose of the body parts By flushing down the toilet And Eventually The pipes jammed And the plumber found it And He was arrested because of that
0: There's a There's a library of Serial killers And true crime Like it's just
1: Yeah you know when you think
0: you heard the worst, there's another one there's another there's one there's
1: another one well they, they call one. him the British Jeffrey Dahmer oh yeah that's his he's he's been known as that but yeah it's just the craziness of how he did that then tried to get away with it and then how the police caught him so uh, but yeah it's, it's not something I talk about too often uh, it's something that lives in my mind because like when I download my podcast for the, the coming day ahead it's like sports uh, true crime and pod, uh uh, Complex stuff, and they're almost they they're always a go-to. They're a great long format listening, and that's in, in in certain days you need something that occupies you for hours at a time.
0: But I think now it's getting more more magnified. Like, you look at uh, Zac, Efron, Zac Efron did the Bundy movie. You've got all the Netflix originals. You've got the American Horror Story. Yeah, American Horror Story. Yeah, based off all these incidences. Like you know, it is probably at its biggest now. Like. And people are well, talking I gotta, about
1: it a lot more too that's very true it, it, it brings me to i saw a trailer yesterday only okay so one of the podcasts i had that kind of hit me as well uh, last year for last was a series called dr death um but this guy who managed to rise to the top of his ranks and was able to operate in people but he ended up killing and maiming so many people before he was actually brought down um and it's it just it Make, it should make you very scared of the American healthcare system that's, that's all I'll say but it's been developed into a series on Netflix and they've got this massive cast Joshua Jackson, basically from Dossels Creek is paying, playing the doctor and they've got uh, Alec Baldwin and I looked at it the other day and I was like oh my god I listened to this podcast and now it's been developed into a series and you know I'm going to be watching it <laughs>
0: It's unbelievable. Like Netflix are cashing in on all these stories now. Like they're making so
1: much content. Like, so yeah, well, much content. Uh, so much content. Like, and now it's like non-stop streaming service. Like Paramount, just a non-stop sh- sh- streaming service. So you've got Amazon, you've got Netflix, you got Disney Plus. You got in America, you got HBO Max. You got the Paramount one. Hulu. You have the Hulu. Well, Hulu now is that's well, we get that here in Europe. Hulu's been is part of Disney Plus. That stars mm. here um because what hulu is hulu is the fox uh was was fox's streaming service that disney acquired when they bought them out so any any kind of adult content goes on hulu in the states but we get it here on stars but there's there's so much more and now they're all fighting each other to see like i mean unless you get a lot of money you you, you can't get them all can you
0: (laughs) that's can you is the question and someone will try definitely so oh, of course! go go to your what you were doing during the lockdown is a yes. hobby. Um, something that you're yes. very, very interested and passionate about is your Posable Thumbs.
1: Talk to me about that. What? Well, where did you start? <laughs> well, it's funny because you said my Posable Thumbs. Um, so, Posable Thumbs is a toy photography uh, Instagram account that I set up. Um, uh, Basically, yeah, um, I take pictures of toys in uh, action poses and uh, uh, look for likes on them. I guess probably best way of, of, of putting it. Yeah, it was. So you came, you came to visit me, uh, and you saw my office at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was very to lucky to. to the... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, basically, my my office. Um, it was. Well, my desk area was wall-to-wall with toys. Some in, in their boxes, some not in the boxes. A lot of the make horror figures, so uh, Freddy Krueger, uh, Ghostface and Scream, Jason Voorhees, uh, It from the It series, um, and yeah, Predator and Aliens and stuff. Um, so I was looking up before I anything, mean, before everything went to well, the way it did. I used to go to a lot of Comic Con, uh, Comic conventions, and I always was looking out for something cool, and I think. It came from when we were younger and uh, the kind of toys we were into when we were younger some of the ones we couldn't get. And now that technology has, has advanced so much like when they're doing these toys like they're using amazing technology to be able to make them look as realistic as possible and I would just collect them. I, was just, I had just so many accrued and when the first lockdown came in 2019 I just thought it'd be a great idea because I'd been kind of taking pictures idly without doing anything with them. To take them home so because i knew i'd be home for a certain period of time so i did i took pictures of my bebop and rock figures first and then the horror characters and i found i, I was posting them on, on this separate account and then people were adding me and i went from one follower to 10 to 100 to 200 800 to a 1, thousand 1500 now i'm at 1800 followers and just found this whole community of people that do the same thing They're into
0: the same thing as myself it, it is massive it, it's one of these communities that have taken the life of their own and i've with it um i know a few years back i used to uh, i watched um one of the wrestlers zach ryder collect the wrestling yeah. toys um mm-hmm. and just places he went to collect them the things he the money he spent on on them, how we display them. It like on a previous episode with Cliff, we talked about uh sneakers. This is up there just as big. Like collection of, of figures is humongous.
1: This is monstrous. Uh because okay, so to break it down a bit, I'm probably most into the Hasbro stuff. So Hasbro uh have licenses for uh, the Marvel, Marvel stuff, uh, the Transformer stuff, um, and the Power Rangers stuff—they would be the big three that they have. And they have separate agreements with like places like Walmart in America and Amazon, where that when they release a figure, it's only available on pre-book pre-orders with these places only. You just can't walk into a store and get them. But what they do, what they did was they created, uh, they created a build a figure uh, wave, so every series had one. So you actually need to get all the figures if you want to build the overall big figure in the pack. That's my. And sometimes you can't get one. So it's like when we were back in school and you're trying to fill your sticker album. Um, what would you give to get that one you need to fill your collection?
0: Oh, I like the clips that you buy one, you stock one and you rock one.
1: <laughs> well, there are people who do that uh, with toys as well. Um, scalpers, scalpers exist in the toy community as well, and um, over here in Europe, you don't see it as much. Uh, but in America, it's it's big business. But like I've I've seen accounts on Instagram that have over forty thousand followers, and people who get paid actually um, by toy companies to take professional photographs of their figures, so you know other people buy them. Um, it's it's crazy, and <clears throat> there's like I, I saw an event. Uh, Hasbro did their own uh, thing recently, and a, a kind of a, an event for uh, announcing a, a new collection. And the guy from Real Chilip- Hodgins, or the, uh, not Real Chilip- the, uh, Chilip- the, um, uh there was celebrity Jack Black performed at one of the events live. Um, but there's other famous people involved in this kind of stuff, and they do uh introductions and show off the, the toys and things uh it's it's crazy like kevin smith I showed off a, a transformer uh an uh, optimus, optimus prime that by itself can turn from a truck into a transformer and move around and do all these moves and everything it's absolutely crazy
0: that is mental like the, the, how far they've come like i remember like growing up i think the first kind of real figure that caught my eye was the spawn characters some of the detail in them were just crazy.
1: But oh, they've been coming back. They've been coming back. Uh Top McFarlane uh, has been doing DC figures. Um and he doing new spawn figures, man. He he had a Kickstarter for a new brand new spawn which just dropped uh, in the last two months. I and mean, that those things are amazing looking.
0: I, that's what kind of popped into my head because um for got one recently and this mm. he's put a video up of it on on Snapchat and yeah. how it was packaged the amount mm. of detail in it and it was just like amazing to see that kind of detail coming out with something that we well I would have seen as a kid seen it now but whoa
1: like this is coming back in a big way like isn't it, it, it what's what's like what's that quote from uh from stepbrothers never lose your dinosaur yeah yeah never lose your dinosaur yeah yeah, yeah I've, i think I, I think i've always kind of like connected to that a little bit like uh i i i do i did enjoy uh during lockdown that if you were able to buy something online you still have stuff delivered and it was nice getting packages to the door of different stuff that had dropped but as you said uh it's a I had no idea when I started taking pictures that there was so many out there from all different makers. I mean, one of the biggest ones in the world, man, Dragon Ball Z figures. Wow. Those I have things two. are I have
0: F- two on the table right in front of me is two gifts <laughs> as well, like, you know, one from Ferg oh, and nice. one from our brother Kevin. Like, you know, it's you know, they, they serve as gifts, they serve as hobbies, you know, there's a whole <laughs> realm of
1: this, like. Well that that's it. I mean, like in my pictures on my account, um, the idea is that I try to make my figures as real as possible. So, I'll snap some pictures and then I edit them and I remove backgrounds or I add special effects to the characters, give them power, um, or I add other little things here. I try eliminate the little uh, things in them that make them look like toys, and I try to make them look as real as possible. And just you know, it's it, it kept me stimulated and entertained and hopefully other people as well and like i log into instagram i log into that account before my own one because there's way more activity on it and just people commenting and talking and dms and stuff and uh yeah it's uh it's a it's a it's a fun thing to do as a hobby
0: and where do you see it going like you do would you like to have that you know uh, that person reach out to you and be like, "Hey, man, could you snap this? It's coming out in a few years, or, or a discount code for something, or other, or, or, or is it just
1: fun?" It's just, it's just fun. It's, it's just taking a picture, getting, getting an idea. One of my favorite figures is, is the, the Deadpool figure from the movies, the Fox Deadpool, not, not the comic book one, but the, the Ryan Reynolds version. And I put him in a lot of comedy positions, and I just tried to. I give myself a laugh as well when I'm doing these, when I'm shooting them, and then I like the reactions I get afterwards. And uh, if I, if someone gets a laugh out of it or enjoys it, then it's totally worth the time doing it. And again, it's when you're editing, it's like I don't know, like uh, it's creative because you're you're trying to make it pop and make it spark and make it stand out. And there's nothing more satisfying than every. A picture and it gets like over 500 likes i mean i've never got 500 likes in anything in my life so that's a the small little pat on the back for something that i've done or achieved because something that i've created
0: and and that's it and it's something that's, that's that's relatable to a lot of people too like you know it's not you know different avenues no way it, it is what you see on the screen like you know which is which is awesome and for some of your captions you think about them is for some of the comics you've read like witty lines or like there's just your own kind of mindset
1: some are my own and some are quoted from comic books yeah like uh depends on the character if it's if it's Deadpool it's generally my own uh but if it's some like Blade I'll quote a comic book or a, or a movie quote from them uh like Phoenix was a comic book quote uh Blade was uh but sometimes I get, i'll get an idea i'll just take a couple, pick a, pick a couple take a couple of figures out and i'll pose them a little bit and i'll get an idea for a, an action shot or and then uh once i edit it then i get, get i get the idea then as well so it's uh, its it's a weird process but uh, uh it, it, it gets there i guess I <laughs> so, know, um, yeah it's um <clears throat> what's weird is that? I didn't tell I didn't tell anyone really that I'd done this maybe, maybe some people would start so there was people on my own Instagram that were liking it and didn't know that it was actually me making them so I was like yeah that's me <laughs> <laughs> you
0: gotta take credit for your work though this one was important like you know you
1: yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's very very really true but yeah, I mean at the end of the day it's, it's, it's the same as uh watching the horror movies or listening to the true crime podcasts or rewatching old TV shows or doing this these are all things that would keep me distracted from the bigger things going on in the world and uh, making time go by in a, in a much nicer uh, nicer way escapism definitely that's exactly what it is it's absolute escapism
0: and that's very important to have another thing actually that we've come and grown with is wrestling <laughs> this this has been in our family for like, you know, for as long as I can remember. Like I get it I still rock the wrestling t-shirts when I'm working out or just day-to-day wearing. Like and people kind of look at you and they go, "Oh, that's stupid. That's fake." Blah blah blah. But for me, I think it's probably total escapism. It stuck to me from a kid. Yeah, we had some great conversations, made some great friends from it. And um, what was your earliest memory of, of that
1: um yeah our family has been is <laughs> we've been well immersed in it nights. you know like the, we, try, we try tell
0: people that literally the story of dad holding the satellite to get the channel for the rest and taking us up to Dublin right. to Eurosport
1: yeah Eurosport uh yeah I mean to the to whenever I was uh working for Exvision and I was in Portugal on a on a manager's retreat thing and I sat down with someone from THQ at in table as me and I kept on annoying them all night long with my wrestling knowledge that they were like we're so impressed with you we're going to give you two tickets because uh WWE is coming to Dublin and we're going to give you the game of on the console of your choice we're going to give you two tickets to see uh WWE superstars in Dublin and whatever date it was so um that was an inc- incredible experience for someone who like me who loved it so much to get a reward because I loved it so much
0: <laughs> And yeah like that and to get something like that from it is, is makes it all the worth the while as well like you know uh, yeah. for me it, the early memories of Friday nights watching raw you know getting food yeah. um even yeah. the wcw like you know we watch a bit of that you know it was it's just a childhood like and it, it kind of stuck with us through the true growing up like and i think it's the storytelling you know we always kind of go to that with comics and games and stuff there's it's, it's just good storytelling
1: and yeah and, and the athleticism uh mixed with it as well then uh you see some cool spots that happen and you like lose your mind uh so i was working for Extravision, and um the pay-per-views would be on at midnight or was it 1am I think and when I'd finished my shift I would buy a VHS tape, take it home, get a bunch of junk food and me and Kevin would stay up and watch the pay-per-view uh, until four, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning and then I'd have to go next morning and go to college or go whatever we are doing. Um, absolutely tired but if it was an event like King of the Ring 1988 whenever uh, Mankind got chokes them off the cage and through the cage and tombstone onto thump then you were just you were like wow all day because it was such a crazy experience
0: for me actually to really say that um, I wasn't old enough to stay up at the time so I get the results off you the next day before going to school and my job was I was like an original dirt sheet I go into school yeah. and I tell the boys the results in the morning because they wouldn't have seen it or heard it and they've all been big wrestling fans. We all would gather together. They all wait for me to tell the results of the night before. So it's kind of like um, Uncle Dave Meltzer before he was Dave Meltzer, you know.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Oh yeah, well, that was that was it because, of course, information wasn't easy as, uh, as easily accessed um, back then as well. So trying to find the results and things was uh, crazy. But there was even better. Like we had upper WrestleMania parties where we got all the snack foods and stuff, and. It, it's uh, for anyone cold to, to wrestling, you know, WrestleMania is the equivalent of the Super Bowl. You might watch the sport all year long, but you know that that event's going to have some razzle-dazzle, you know, it's going to have something crazy. And you're going to be entertained by it, whether you love the sport or not, or uh, it's going to be uh, entertainment. And i something that over the years, that, you know, there's the people who have to write those shows, to write those storylines. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But when they, when it's good it can be really 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 good Um, and then you you talk about it and that's the great thing is whenever you get together with like comic books like the horror movies or like the toy photography stuff I do if you get together with people who love it as much as you do then it's just a game changer you can just talk about it for not stop for hours and hours and hours and because wrestling has been around for so long and there's been so much content you can fall down a very dark uh, or very deep uh, YouTube well on watching old old matches
0: something that's out now that is, is amazing that I've got big into it is um, it's on voice and YouTube it's called The Dark Side of the Ring and oh yes
1: I've seen the season trailer for the new season yeah
0: so there's a podcast on that and on talking is Jericho where they talk to the producers and they kind of seen where The Last Dance went with Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan and that was made for fans that weren't basketball fans that just were fans of Jordan or what he did or wanted to know more so they kind of scratched their head and they goes how can we make something like that for wrestling where you know it's it's it, it wasn't made for fans of wrestling it was made for people to kind of see these tragic or massive stories that went on in this industry and it is amazing it's such good content
1: yeah, uh, it was it was big when it first came out. I haven't watched it myself, but I know how good people have talked about it. Uh, I must actually get around to watch it at
0: It is there's some great stories. You know, you've got Brian Pillman, Chris Benoit, WCW going to Korea. Um, yeah. You, Owen Harris, um, Fabulous yeah. Moolah. You know, there's some great stories in there for even if people that aren't fans that just want to hear about some some of these stories they're just as well we're watching
1: they did benoit as well didn't they
0: they did yeah they did benoit yeah, yeah. They, i think they did a two-part yeah. on on benoit
1: yeah yeah that's something that whether you're a wrestling fan or not you know that name like that name is associated with uh infamy
0: yeah it, again you you would have heard that on a true part, true crime podcast like i did i did I, I, I heard don't... it as
1: well yeah yeah, I remember being absolutely shocked because I was, I was just getting into True Crime and I was searching through one of the ones I was listening to just to see who they had on it. There his name was. I was like, oh my God, Chris Benoit was there. So of course, it was like the second episode I put on just to see how they covered it and how they saw things, even though they probably weren't wrestling fans themselves, which is strange because I'd only ever talked to wrestling fans about the situation they were hearing from other people.
0: And what, what do you remember of that incident? So obviously you were I watching was... the
1: product at the time I was watching the product I was very into the product um, I was living in Cork at the time I remember getting up and I would I'd check my phone for news I was, I was reading the dirt sheets and then there was the thing about him uh, there was the thing about him uh, not turning up with the review, and then the Chavo Guerra stuff and then what what it was it that he was dead, and then on the Monday, the WWE did an event in honor of his memory because the details weren't released yet. Of what happened? Yeah, the, uh, people just knew that he didn't turn up at the at the pay per view. Um, they found out he was dead, and Monday Night Raw was a episode dedicated to the memory of Chris Benoit. And then they found out what happened, and then they that you you can't watch the episode anymore. They removed it from all broadcasts. Uh, it's not on uh it's not on the channel the wd network and they've just buried it because once they find out what really happened then they as you know yourself they're wiping from uh history
0: where do you stand with the conspiracy do you think there is grounds for a conspiracy or do you think he did what he did
1: i think I think he did i, I don't know i, I, I uh, I'm I'm all the way over here, and I was never really close to the situation. I don't know what his mind frame was like. I've listened to the Chabuquero stuff. Uh, I know there was some strange things involved in it, but uh, it's it makes sense that he would be depressed after the death of Eddie and stuff. That and with all the all the concussions, and the way his brain was. Uh, I, I, when we go back to true crime stuff, it's the nature of nurture. It's like possibly Benoit's mind had been nurtured that way because of all the abuse he'd been taken and the pills he was on and the depression he was facing and maybe just something just snapped in him to do what he did Uh, I'd say you, you you gotta go by evidence and the evidence suggests he did do it so you have to go with
0: that yeah it's it's a mind boggler like you know you think someone wasn't capable of doing the things that he did and then you know he ends up all the evidence pointing that he did do what he did like and it's it's mental, like I was only saying that because I watched what? an episode what? of The Dark Side of the Ring, and uh-huh. uh, Too Cool Scorpio was allegedly trying to kill Hawk, and Benoit talked him out of it. So then you're looking oh. at this guy going, okay, he's literally after talking someone out of attempting to murder someone, and he's after murdering his child and his wife. It's crazy. And then himself, here's a the quick,
1: here's a question for you. Yeah, where do you, where do you stand on? Uh, uh, the person are the creation, so uh, a strong way of putting it, on uh, separating the artist from the art?
0: I don't think you can. And I think history shows that with people like Heat Ledger, mm-hmm. um, Chris Benoit, The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. These people immerse themselves in their characters so much that they actually become them, you know, yeah. and they take but- those dark traits and are their work traits and they can't separate it.
1: Uh-huh. But like I mean for example um, famous horror movies cheaper uh, Creepers right? Uh, the director of that movie is a guy by the name of Victor Salvia and Salvia was found guilty now not not uh, suspected he was found guilty of molesting a uh, young a young boy and and that movie because because of that doesn't get uh because of what he did what he did even though it's not the movie uh doesn't get reviewed as much or doesn't get talked about as much because everyone in the in that circle knows that he did what he did so people talk about well can you still watch Jeepers creepers knowing what salvia did and watch it separate known you know just as a movie forget about him as a director just go this is the story I'm, i'm watching so like can you watch Benoit matches and appreciate the ability he had, even though what he did?
0: Yeah, because I think it's the narrative. So if you put out the narrative that you know he did that thing or that person did that thing, but yeah. if you can separate the narrative to the actual body of work, then I think it's acceptable, in my opinion.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. Because I, the I, time, I gen-
0: there is a big narrative on on certain. Things, certain topics, and to certain people, where their yeah. body of work gets put aside or put down.
1: Mm, I agree. I, I I agree. I think it's like that as well. I mean, it. I would go case by case with certain things, but I I would definitely want to watch Benoit matches again, or I would like to watch Jeepers Creepers, and not, and not with the shadow of what the people who made them did. You know, just watch them as an entity by itself.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, and it goes back to the point you were saying as well about people separating. Like, we're um, looking at the night soccer, for example. When he found mm. out they named him the night soccer, he enjoyed it even more. You know, w- w- when you right. start putting these names and things like that, you know, it can be a, a dangerous thing as well. Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, it can be very, very dangerous. Yeah
0: so again it's all in the narrative in my opinion what they're trying to yeah. put out
1: there yeah definitely I mean it's at, at the end of the day we, we watch these made programs as Um I try not to make judgments about the people they're about because if that was the case then you wouldn't watch any of the true crime stuff you wouldn't listen to any of those if it was if, it was, if you're against that then
0: I think for me um, what I kind of thought that way was I I got i felt big into the rabbit hole of the notorious big killing uh christopher wallace yeah. and how the narrative the lapd put out that they can't be associated you know because they're you know protect and serve the blues like you know they can't do that but then you look at the evidence goes against them and how yeah. the narrative is spun against biggie and you're just like okay if they're doing this to him like who else is this well, happening to him? But not just LAPD, like, it could be anything. Like, what's Mm -hmm. the narrative? Like, what what are they trying to do to that person? Like, so you kind of open up your mind to it and
1: see both sides. Very, very true. Yep, absolutely. It's like the Son of Sam uh, documentary, both the Sons of Sam. Basically, they're saying that David Berkowitz wasn't the only one who was doing those murders back in the 80s. There was more people involved.
0: Yeah, that that was interesting. That was definitely interesting. That was very
1: interesting. That was very interesting. I was like, "Wow, okay, there's some stuff." Because I know of Actually, I remember when I was working in deals, they had these, um, they had these small books and DVDs uh, of true true crime stuff. I remember seeing the Dave Brickman ones a lot when I was working in there. Uh, but I thought it was pretty much open and shut. Uh, but watching that documentary on Netflix, it uh, definitely opened my eyes a bit. I was like, "Okay, let there something. working on here, maybe."
0: And I guess that's the beauty of it now. Like, you know, they can kind of delve into these kind of files that were left aside. You've got these people like your man, Murray, in, in the Son and Sands that wouldn't let it go, you know. That's it, yeah, yeah. I think, I think they got sleep, don't that, that, they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. It's the fact that they got one, one of the guys who got shot actually joined his group as well, like...
0: Yeah, and... and to, help, to
1: help solve this.
0: It. yeah. It's amazing to see that people don't... And um, oh, what's the girl from the Cecil Hotel? Um,
1: yeah, that one. I that that was crazy. That one because that's where uh, Richard Ramirez stayed. That blew my mind when I saw that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I only made the connection because I watched American Horror Story, and oh. I, I was remember when they said that Richard Ramirez was in there, and I was like, oh yeah, that's who that is. Like, um, mm-hmm. but that was crazy. Like the the community that grew for her and how they didn't believe that it was the, how they did believe she was murdered and it wasn't an accident was just that was mind blowing and how they tried to put it on your mind with the the metal image and the gothic look like you know it's exactly Exa- like the the... Narrative. exactly about the narrative
1: like yeah but you saw on the don't f Cats you yep. watched that one as well yeah yeah that had the same thing where like when the internet sleuths if they pile on in the wrong direction how it can destroy someone's uh, life
0: yeah, it is, it's very easy done.
1: Yeah, it's indicative of what of uh, cancel culture a little bit in in 2021 as well. If someone says something wrong, and the wrong person gets involved in it, and then if it goes viral, it can end someone.
0: Yeah, it, it's an avalanche effect. Like definitely.
1: Yeah, but I mean, my own social media, I don't do that much. I, I browse on Twitter. Uh, I check my own Instagram vaguely, but most I spend is on the possible problems account just posting new content and talking with people in the community that, that shows very little toxicity which is nice to be a part of.
0: That's very important as well is the like almost designing your own circle so that nothing can kinda of harm it, you know, it's all positive.
1: Yeah, because I've seen I've seen some stuff, especially in the horror side of things as the Me Too movement come out, just been people uh accused of stuff and you know, Marla Manson, for example, was another one recently. Uh, me too. Uh, it's uh, I, I am careful to cu- to curate who I follow, and uh, I, I, I try to keep things as, as pleasant as possible um, with the people I follow and stuff. But uh, for the most part, it's just staying up to date with with movie stuff and uh, comic book news and sports, really. And of course, the family. Whenever they post,
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right, then we've we've gone for a great conversation there. So we're going to wrap that off because
1: th- this is awesome. a really good episode, man. So uh, I'm i I just want to say, thanks say thanks
0: for coming on.
1: I just want to say thank you for having me, and I'm really sorry if I bored anyone. Uh, if you check this out, thank you so much for uh, giving this a go. Uh, I think you're doing a great job with this now, and I, I look it. forward to. Uh, listen to more of your guests that are on here.
0: Definitely. So, if you're looking for some of um, Alan's shoots on the plastics, it's at Posable Thumbs on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's it, yeah? That's
1: uh, the right one? Yep, yep, yep. At Posable Thumbs. If you search for the Thumbs, it has a, it has a logo of Deadpool that uh, our cousin Tara, Tara Crew, designed. She's a phenomenal uh, designer, and she did a design for me on my birthday and I was like this would be great as a logo so uh yeah the logo is uh, Deadpool doing the Spider-Man web shooter thing and it's posable thumbs uh, uh, yeah posable underscore thumbs perfect
0: that's the account there to see Alan shooting plastic also Tara's page is at Tassie Creations she also did one for myself and Cairo So she did oh yeah it was right. really cool it's lovely yeah, so yep. if you're looking for anything done there as well, pop on over and give her a shout It's pretty sweet, and it's quick as well. She's so fast at it. Yeah, and she's open for commissions as well. Yep. So check that out. Check check it all out. Check this out. Tell a friend. Be a friend. Yep. Tell a friend. You know. <laughs> all right. Especially so that's like, it. We're gonna great. wrap it
1: up. Thank you very much.